Thanks for the victory lap though Whoa, whoa They ain't never seen nothing like this before Lit the room when I came through the front door Ask me if I should suffer come work for Train in the trees, please Welcome to The Raj Project, a conversation about life, entrepreneurship, personal development, family tech, and marketing. My name is Ivan Temelkov, and I'm your host. What's in this podcast for you? Here you will find life-changing advice to help you level up every aspect of your life and business, to help you reach your goals and dreams. As always, all content is 100% real, raw, and unfiltered. And today, I'm a very special guest on the episode who I'm excited to chat with. Her name is Emily Formea, and she is a mindset coach for women struggling with eating disorders or disorderly eating. Uh, she recovered from her own eating disorder of nine years in nine months and now has created a business, a blog, a book, and a brand around helping women with food. She graduated from college two years ago with a degree in political science. And she's originally from Southern Illinois and now a transplant to Boston, Massachusetts, uh, where her favorite thing in the world is coffee. Welcome, Emily. How are you? Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, we love Absolutely. coffee here. Absolutely. Who doesn't love coffee? I mean, let, let's face it. Um, first of all, I'm a big fan of coffee. And these days I drink it black. And that's actually a huge shift because I used to love my Starbucks lattes, honestly, mm -hmm. until I realized that there were 3 to $5 a pop. And let's just face it, when you have a couple of those a week, it just takes away from your bank account a little it bit. So plus it's not good for my intermittent fasting, which has been going very well for the last eight or nine months. And let's just face it, black coffee. See, I found Seattle's best, actually, to be the best, believe it or not, because it's actually the only coffee that doesn't give me heartburn, mm -hmm. believe it or not. So thank you so much for coming on the show. You know, uh, let, let's start a little bit about, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself. Take us way back to, I want to hear more about the eating disorder. So, so how did that all happen? Yeah, for sure. So I, so I'm currently 23. I developed an eating disorder in the seventh grade when I was 12. Um, I was actually diagnosed at that time with anorexia, which for people who aren't aware is kind of the more mainstream eating disorder where I just tried to eat as little as possible. Um, so mm -hmm. I lost about 50 pounds in five months and I found myself in the hospital. I wow. was not doing well, at, like as you can tell. Um, and from there, I think I always struggled with food, but I didn't feel understood. And so it, it really hindered my recovery. So I kind of, I struggled with anorexia for many years where I just didn't eat a lot, but then I would kind of shift and I would go through binge eating or emotional eating. And then I would shift and I would kind of count every calorie and like start a new fad diet. And then I would shift again. And it just kind of took me all through high school and college. I just always struggled with food and I would see therapists or I was in inpatient back in seventh grade. And I always say like, I'm never like downing medical professionals, like whatsoever. Right. I just think that there was a big misunderstanding and misconception with my eating disorder. And then with millions of women now in the mm -hmm. same position where I just always struggled with food, but I felt misunderstood because it wasn't really the food. And that's kind of what I now coach on in my own business. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. You were talking about the, the anorexic disorder, right? Is this that, so when you said you lost 50 pounds, 
I'm making an assumption here. So you had to be between 50 and 70 pounds, roughly. I mean, that's a very dangerous weight, right? Yeah. Hence why you, you landed in the hospital is because you weren't stable, right? Mm -hmm. So what was, okay, as you knew you had this, this disorder, and let's, let's face it, you probably didn't have much control over it. I mean, you knew that you wanted to fix it, but you didn't really know how. Like, what really got you thinking into, like, well, first of all, to help yourself, like, what was going through your mind when you knew that, okay, I've, I've got this eating disorder, I need to fix it. Like, what was going through your mind, you know, in trying to figure out a solution for it? Yeah, so I... I definitely think it was one of those perfect storms, which I talk a lot about, is I had the personality profile where I was a perfectionist. I'm a very like type A type of person. I, I say I'm high strung. I'm very organized. Mm -hmm. like, and so if I set my mind to something, I'm going to achieve it. And unfortunately, I think in our society now, especially young women, we're given this formula of also having the perfect diet and the perfect body. So yeah. I think it was just this perfect storm. And this is, I now, I now speak to millions of people who felt the same way as me. I didn't fit the profile yeah. necessarily of like, I'm just really sad and I, and I don't eat enough. Like I, there was so much more going on to it. I just felt like I had to control absolutely everything in my life to be good enough. And yeah. it ended up, yeah, it took control over me and ended me in the hospital. And I remember being back in that time really truly believing that I didn't have a problem. Like I sure. really believed that kind of just everyone was supposed to count calories and everyone was supposed to try to be yeah. a size zero. And this was just my way of kind of coping with feeling anxious or feeling upset or feeling like that not good enough. Um, yeah. so I think when I was in it, I definitely knew that I struggled with food, but I didn't really understand that you weren't supposed to. And that's why I say like, I speak on di eating disorders and disorderly eating because mm -hmm. I think there's just this kind of veil of like, everyone is always on a diet. Everyone is always supposed to be thinking about what they're eating. Like that's normal, quote unquote. Yeah. So yeah, in the time I didn't really think, I knew that I had gone a little bit too aggressive but when I left the hospital, I was actually supposed to be in the hospital for three weeks. And I left in about four days because mm -hmm. I was just kind of a, a high achieving kid. Like I had great grades. Wow. I was super like involved in my school. I just didn't fit that yeah. profile. And so I was kind of like, oh, I don't know. I'm just not very hungry. And, and kind of just went on with my life because there was this major gap of understanding, I think, mm -hmm. in eating disorder recovery. So the reason, one of the reasons that I asked that is because um, it, it's really interesting that you talked about how I think women don't necessarily kind of, I think it, it's between men and women, there's a difference in realizing that you, you have, you know, an eating disorder or, you know, you're maybe not, not eating healthy enough, you know, just, just, I think it's the way that we perceive it between men and women. It's just our, our way of thinking and approaching it. Uh, so I was just curious in knowing, like, you know, how did you approach it and how did you start thinking about a solution and realizing that, you know, that I do have a disorder, you know, an eating disorder and how should I approach it? How should I resolve it? How do I get it under control, mm -hmm. right? You know, one thing that I, I wanted to talk about before actually I, I forget here is as I was reading through your bio, actually. So, and this is something that's really unique about you. So uh, you mentioned that you graduated with a political science degree. So like, it's really interesting, political science and then doing this, right? Mm -hmm. Now being a, a coach, you know, and helping women with eating disorders. 
which kind of goes to show like, okay, great. I did the degree thing, but by the way, I'm going to do something different, right? Uh-huh. Which all too familiar because it's exactly what I did is, you know, kind of veered into a different direction. But um, you also, you know, something interesting about you is, is when you moved out to DC, you worked for the House of Representatives mm-hmm. for nine months. <laughs> okay. How, how did, how did that happen? Let's talk about that for a minute. Yeah. So I can kind of go. So in college, I was studying political science. Um, I actually graduated in three years because I had gotten an internship to go out and work for the House of Representatives for like the summertime. And I mm. thought, oh my gosh, this is my dream. Like I should graduate and go out there and try to just get a full-time job. So I graduated in three years with my bachelor's in political science. I moved out to DC. Um, and during this time, I was struggling with food still. Like everything in my life was quote unquote perfect, but I was always counting calories and over exercising and all of this. So I moved out to DC. Um, I did work for the house for nine months. I adored like everyone I met. It just wasn't really yeah. for me. And I think like, sure. I know your podcast is so much about entrepreneurship as well. I think it's really cool because looking back on my story, I always had a passion to help people, but I didn't know how. So I went into college just kind of being like, sure, I'll do politics, I guess. Like, and I just picked a career with my always like intention behind it. So I moved out to DC and I hated it. And I like definitely went through kind of this like then I'm the problem. Like, why do I not like this? I studied this. Mm. This was supposed to be my dream. Forgetting that I could always use my kind of goal of helping people in different ways. And if politics wasn't it, that was okay. So that was actually my crash, which is what spiked my recovery. Because I think I was finally faced with like, who am I? (laughs) What's going on? I hate political science. I just graduated in this degree. Um, I hate struggling with food. Like it really, really pushed me to just kind of have a fork in the road and go. And like, this is the advice I give to people who really just want to take that step towards recovery. It was like, M, you can keep struggling. Like it's pretty painful. You know that your eating disorder is painful and it ends in pain. It has this entire time or you can choose recovery and it's also painful. Like I'll never say recovery is easy. It's super painful, but it ends in pain free. So I was kind of just at this fork of like, okay, it's my decision. And they're both not great, but one of them is totally worth it. And one has kept me in this cycle for 10 years. So there's a few things, and I was trying to make a mental note as you were making that statement that I think are really important to mention here, because I think as human beings, we all experience these things. So going back to you going to college and studying political science, uh, I think it was, it was the push of what traditionally in the world we've been taught, right? Is let's think about it. It's when you're growing up, you're being told, go to school, get good grades, get married, have a family, have a house, a couple of cars, save some money in the bank. What's the fun in that? That's the traditional way of living, right? So I think, you know, based on what you were saying is that you were sort of stargazed by the House of Representatives because, hey, it's the House of Representatives. This is an opportunity of a lifetime. But then as you got into it, you started to realize, you know what, this isn't my true calling. This isn't my why. This isn't my purpose. And I will tell you this, there's even successful people out there who make millions of dollars that hate what they're doing because they haven't truly found their why and their purpose. I know I've worked for some people who run successful companies, but they're miserable because they're just, 
at this point maintaining status quo because they think that's the only way to live a life. And honestly, that's a very, very saddening way to live a life because you know what? When you're staring in the face of death, and let's face it, it's inevitable, we're all going to die. No, I don't care who you are as long as you're a human being. You're going to die one day, right? But when you're staring at the face of death and you reflect and you look back at your life, what would you want to remember? Would you want to be happy and say, you know what? I did this. I really enjoyed it. I accomplished that. We'll just say, you know what? I worked for a job. I made a lot of money, but I was miserable as fuck. Yeah. You know, and I think like it's that's, the same. Yeah. It's the same exactly. with eating disorders. It totally is. Yep. You have this image of like, right. okay, so this is what I'm supposed to look like to be happy. And then you try and you try and you try. And I think unfortunately yeah. what happens is you actually do get it. Just like that example with like people who climb the quote unquote, like nine to five ladder, you yeah. can do it. What's so heartbreaking to me is that then when you do it, you still don't have the feelings that you thought it would bring you and you turn, you do a 180 and you blame yourself, yeah. not the formula of society. You go, oh my gosh, then like I must be the worst and I suck. Why didn't I do this? The, the whole being good enough, like that was me yeah. every single time I would lose five more pounds. I felt 80% worse. Like I was like, I'm well, still think, unhappy. I think you were, it was the victim card. And mm -hmm. honestly, I think females play that card more than males do because let's face it, we live actually in a, in, in a very uh, self-centric, predominantly male driven world. In fact, you know, anytime I, I have a female on the show, I'm excited because it's a breath of fresh air because I mostly have dudes on the show. <laughs> Not that it's, you know, nothing wrong with having dudes, but like the female perspective is great. You know, also mm -hmm. it's an attributing factor to society, to the world. It brings a different perspective. But I think that let's face it, as a female, you've got this prefabricated image that I'm supposed to look good. I'm supposed to exercise. I'm supposed to eat well. I'm supposed to be perfect. Mm -hmm. that is complete bullshit. Like no woman should be doing that. Honestly, you know, it's, it's a choice, right? But a, a lot of women also struggle with that. There's an actual real problem, you know, especially believe it or not in the United States. I mean, you probably noticed over 60% of people are obese and largely because fast food is accessible. I mean, I can take my ass down to the McDonald's drive through and get me a fucking cheeseburger for a dollar, right? Who wants to make a sandwich, right? <laughs> Who, who wants to spend 10 minutes making something healthier, right? So, yeah, it is very challenging for women, yeah, right? and I love that you brought up victim because I use that – well, at first, it was very hard for me to mm -hmm. say, like, I was a victim to my eating disorder. But I think victim has such a negative connotation. In reality, it's yeah, the most yeah. empowering thing you can say because you're finally taking your voice back. Like the way that I explain the victimhood of women with diet culture is we hear this voice in our heads that says like, don't eat carbs. Carbs are bad. And then we go, okay. And we just kind of like do it. Like we don't ever, yeah. I once read a quote that was like, as much as you listen to your brain, you can talk back to it just as much. Yeah. And we just don't. Like we hear it. We listen to these commercials about like, do this slim fast, take this diet pill, do this, whatever. And we go, okay. And we just don't think for ourselves. Like I truly every, and when someone once said to me, like, are you playing victim to your disorder? I got so mad. I was like, how dare you? Like, mm -hmm. this is so hard. Like, you have no idea. And then I realized that I truly was. And that gave me the empowerment to, holy shit, like, that means I can talk back to it. And that means I can change it. This isn't how it always has yeah. to be. Well, 
you know, I think the reason you were talking about that quote and, and being able to talk back to your brain is, is I think, um, especially females, I think are so concerned with the outsider perception from the world um, and, and, and worrying about the judgment. Uh, and I will tell you this, you know, especially from a life and from an entrepreneurial standpoint too, is, is the minute I turn off the news, the minute I turned off uh, more of social media, and I do a lot of personal branding, but as soon as I turned off, like, I don't give two shits about what someone else thinks, like really focusing on myself. I even did a Facebook Live about it earlier today is the minute you focus on yourself, like really dial yourself in. Like personally, six years ago when I started cycling, still to this day, I have no fucking idea how that happened. And it wasn't really about the endurance factor for me. It was about the mindset aspect of it. And every time I feel like I'm lost, every time I feel like I need clarity or focus, I'm out on the bike doing 20, 30, 40 miles, you know, sometimes close to 100 miles per week, pedaling on, on, on the bike because it gives me clarity. It, it, gives me, it gives me focus. It gives me peace. Yeah. And I think that for women and, and you know, be, being, being, being a husband also, I said that in my wife personally, is this that the internal struggles that there are the internal battles. And I think women, uh, you know, and this is probably unintentional, fail to be expressive about it and fail to be vocal about it because they're worried about the judgment that people are going to pass upon them. And that's, I think, exactly what you were talking about is about playing that victim card upon yourself, right? And saying, it's my fault, you know, immediately, right? Because I think women do more, more of that than men do. Because men are like, I, I don't give a shit. You know, I'll eat a freaking Twinkie or whatever. Women are like, well, you know, feeling depressed, feeling stressed out. And, and then you take to food. And then you play the victim, victim card, right? So I think with the eating disorder is, I think you said that there was a lot of that happening, right? Until you realize that, no, the victim card is not a solution. I need to start thinking more solution-oriented in terms of how am I going to get out of this rut? How am I going to change my eating habits, and I have the power to do that. Nobody uh, else, yeah. but you have the power <laughs> to do that. And honestly, whether you're, you're a male or a female, you have the power to do so many things. Mm -hmm. People don't realize how much potential they have until, until they get so dialed in, so dialed in, and they realize, holy shit, I didn't know I could do that. You know, because yeah. they're so worried about the minutia of in mediocrity of society. I mean, we've really seen it with everything that's been happening with this pandemic and what, 5 million people filing for unemployment because they're scared shitless. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's an indication that there's a lot of fear in America, both for, for, for male and female, right? Yeah. So it's not just, you know, whether you have an eating disorder or you're an entrepreneur, but it's all around. It's just on, on a grander scale. Right. So going back to, you know, the reason I had to ask about the House of Representatives is just to kind of emphasize on the fact that I think too many people are stargazed. Like, you know, when you're young and you're like, I want to be an astronaut or I want to be a lawyer or I want to be a doctor. And then, you know, maybe your parents are lawyers and maybe they're, they're doctors. And then they kind of want you to follow in their footsteps. I know as an Eastern European, you know, my, my family wanted me to go to college. I decided to drop out of college and go out and do my own thing, you know? <laughs> but years later, and even though my father's an entrepreneur as well, he's starting to come around and I was having a full-time employee on board too. He's like, oh shit. He's like, it makes it more believable, mm -hmm. right? But it's believable because you're gaining traction. Mm -hmm. And most people will be in disbelief, especially when you're battling your own battles, 
not just with, with an eating disorder, but just battling your own battles because everybody has them, you know, yeah. whether it's stress or depression or eating disorder or being overweight or whatever it might be, everyone has them. We're all human beings. And this is in part why this podcast exists is to bring on people like you to talk about different things and share, you know, perspectives. So let's talk about how you help women specifically, okay? Because there's just literally what I think I probably need to do for the rest of the year is book more females <laughs> for my podcast because I feel like you guys bring so much, you know, a fresh perspective, right, to the podcast. Let's talk about how do you, when you work with women, like what specific things do you help them overcome? Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Yeah, I and I want to say like I I also like totally am aware that men struggle with food too. Mm-hmm. Like I always say that I it, like eating disorders do not discriminate. But I specifically work with women just because I don't have a degree. I only have my experience. And I only have my experience as a woman. So I just always like to say that like I I'm here to talk and listen to anyone. I just kind of that's my actual business sure. is working with women. Um, I think it's interesting because I actually don't, when I first started my business, of course I had like the mind drama of who am I to do this? Um, I have no degree in therapy. I have no degree in eating disorders. Like I, I truly had all of that. Yeah. The voice, like just, and me being like, uh huh, yeah, you're right. And then I realized and like to anyone who wants to, yeah, be an entrepreneur or just really do anything in life. I realized that like I was my first client. I had done it. So whenever I said like, I don't have a degree, I don't have the money, I don't have all of these things. I was, I was truly the one that had had a really bad eating disorder, struggled with food and then didn't. And that was all the proof I needed to believe in myself. And I think I love that you touched on the belief factor as well. Cause there's two yeah. major things that I work with, with, with my clients. Mm-hmm. One of them is that self-deprecative language and action and bullying yourself and hating yourself is never going to bring about self-confidence or self-certainty or like the mathematical equation is just off. If you put in a whole bunch of just like negativity and hatred towards yourself and like, yeah, this is people who struggle with any mental illness, people who struggle with overeating, undereating, like debt, any type of like struggle that you're going to go through in life, the worst thing you can do is to also turn on yourself because then nobody's supporting you and nobody believes in you. And so I think that's the first thing I help them do is release the guilt and the shame and the, I help them disassociate from their disorder because eating disorders from my experience, I always thought I was the problem. I was the issue. I was the failure. Like I identified with all of these things And as you can disconnect that, you start to support yourself to almost fight off your disorder. So I think that's the first thing that's like really important to do. And the second thing is to just, I truly think just validate what they're saying. Like, I think I've somewhat become the girl that gets it. That's what I like. That's what a lot of my clients call me. And that's what I always wanted to be because at the end of the day, I just so deeply understand how they're feeling, what their fear is, what's going to come up next, like as they go through recovery, that I'm, I'm aware of, you know, where they are here and they can somewhat see me as where they will truly be. I think it's so powerful yeah. to talk to people and hear people because this helped me in my recovery of people who have done it, not just studied it. And that's like the whole argument with like, go to college or build your own visit. Like people who have done it and taken those actions are limitless and because there's right. just certain things that you can't study in a book. 
Well, you know, a couple of things I want to touch upon because I can 100% relate to everything you just said. First of all, I think the reason you work with women is because they're relatable. You're a female yourself. And like you said, you'll have been your own client. So now you're actually a testimonial of yourself. And that's probably one of the best testimonials that you can have is to say, I have done it. I have achieved this. If I can achieve it, I can show you how to do it, right? You have to believe in it, which that's a whole nother story. <laughs> but then you were talking about education. I mean, I'm a guy who got my education from the school of Google. I shit you not. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if that's not enough is six years ago, I was brought on to build a curriculum of a continued education program at the University of Missouri in St. Louis for search engine optimization, search engine marketing, because I learned all of that through Google, practiced it within companies that I worked for, and then generated seasonality and experience. And I will tell you this, these days, now more than ever, this is probably going to change. Companies hire on experience. They, they still care about degrees, but now more than ever, they don't give two shits. In fact, some of the best gamers in the world don't have any official education. They make like $100,000 per year, you know, sitting in a gaming chair every single day. Because they're passionate about it. They love what they're doing. And that's what companies want. They want people who are genuinely passionate and they're the best at what they do. Because the reality about education, and, and mind you, I follow guys like Gary Vaynerchuk who talk about, you know, you don't, you don't the education system is so behind, right, is that you're going to learn more on the internet than you're going to learn because you have practicality. You can, you can have practicality. Whereas the traditional environment is you get education, but you got no practicality and that's what companies want, right? So I think the reason you've also veered off is just that relatable, your target audience were women. Secondly, is just that you were passionate about what you were doing and you knew what you were doing and you could replicate it. Well, that's a recipe for a business in itself to where you can teach other women how to, how to do that. And honestly, there's a lot of women out there that struggle with eating disorders, you know, and a vast majority of them are are unwilling to admit it. And another thing you also mentioned is I think a lot of women struggle with self-confidence. And I even talked about it earlier today on my Facebook Live is this that, you know, if you don't believe in yourself, you can't ask others to believe in you. They won't. It's just how it works because you don't come across as confident. You don't come across sometimes an assertive and they get the sense that you know what you're talking about. So you got to work on your self-confidence. That is the biggest thing. And honestly, I'm also a prime proof of that because the last two months, my business has grown tremendously when everybody else is probably collecting unemployment checks, you know? So that's another thing. And I think it's equally true for women. You got to build that self-confidence. Mm-hmm. Not just for women, it's really for anyone. You got to have self-confidence, especially as an entrepreneur. If you want to build a business, if you're passionate about something and you want to share it into the world. So it's great that you mentioned that, that, you know, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, on the self-confidence side is what are some things that you encounter specifically just to get even bit, you know, more specific, you know, with the types of different uh, women that you work with, you know, uh, when it comes to eating disorders? Yeah. So I, I definitely think, I think this is when diet culture really kind of plays the main role in kind of this mm-hmm. like the eating disorder fairy tale is what I call it. Um, 
we see on social media and we see online, we see on TV, all of these, like what all the media that very thin, beautiful, attractive women have perfect lives and Mm -hmm. that everyone loves them. And that the way that they get super thin and model-esque is by dieting. And so then when you have me at 12 and millions of other women at 12 going, Oh, like my body's starting to change, right? I'm experiencing right. insecurity. Oh, interesting. What a great solution. I'll just diet, look like that, and life will be fine. And we, it's, it is the weirdest phenomenon I've ever really like looked at from an outer lens now of then you take that sort of formula and you also mm-hmm. take that women more often than not are just more high strung. We are usually more type A, we're more people pleasing, we're just kind of more malleable in the sense of like our self-worth and our self-confidence. So then you take this major, you know, group of individuals and you create a billion dollar industry off of it, off of saying that like, if you don't feel good, go on a diet. If you don't, if you lack self-confidence in your body, we'll just change your body. Not realizing that like what we're lacking is emotions. And so it's not going to make a difference. Like I always use the example when I weighed my lowest weight, which had always of course been my goal weight. And I was like, this will make me so happy. Everything will be fixed. Like the world will be like glam. I was more insecure in my body than I've ever been in my entire life because my problem wasn't my body. My problem wasn't my food. And I think women with the confidence factor of it, we just at the right age of kind of being unsure of who we are, are just force fed like, oh, well then just change a couple of things in your diet. And the other thing with food struggles is if you do it once, you're going to do it your whole life. Because if you've adopted the belief that the problem is with your weight, if you a year later run into a problem, you're going to think I should go on a diet. Like it becomes a coping mechanism, just like alcoholism, just like, you know, overeating. Like it just becomes your kind of default of how to cope with not feeling good enough instead of raising women, especially to understand that like feeling bad doesn't make you bad. And that being perfect is like an illusion. Like instead of raising women to have a sense of self-certainty, I think self-certainty and self-compassion are the two that I talk about the most. We're just kind of thrown into the ringer with like, oh, but just go on a diet. And yeah, yeah, that's exactly what happened to me. Well, I, I, that, that was a really, really great powerhouse of, of a segment right there in itself. And actually, you know, kind of goes in hand, hand in hand with exactly what, you know, I was hoping to chat with you about, which is, you know, uh, the perfectionism mantra that I think has been kind of created, especially for women, like you talked about. And also the fact that, you know, the need to always be in control and to know that you are good enough, right? You know, everyone is good enough, especially women. You are good enough, but you can always improve if you want to. That's a choice you can make nobody's forcing you to do that but that's i think what you help women do is realize that they have a choice because everyone's good enough i mean i I know you know especially when i talk to my wife right i said you know whether you choose to eat healthier totally up to you you know you're gonna feel better because i know when i shifted with my eating habits is you know i curb my heartburn that's in part why i drink a seattle's best coffee is because a lot of people don't know that starbucks coffee is actually burnt and that's in part what gives you Heartburn, they burn it for the darker, richer flavor. A lot of people don't know that. In fact, I had a guy probably a couple of years ago or so on, on the podcast uh, that actually was starting 
uh, a coffee company, a bean company, and was kind of educating me on that too. So um, with that being said, you know, um, I'm really excited that, you know, I, ha I had you on the podcast to talk about all of this, especially how you, you help women, you know, with eating disorders and, and creating solutions, because there are a lot of women out there who struggle with that. Um, before we wrap things up on this episode, you know, let's throw out some handles. How can people connect with you out there, especially women who, you know, want to establish that self-confidence and maybe they have an eating disorder as well? Yeah, no, I, oh, this has been so great. I really have like, I could talk about this forever Absolutely. and I, yeah, you can find me on, I have a website, which is probably the easiest. It's www.sincerelyxoemily. Um, my Gmail account is the same way. So you can email me at sincerelyxoemily at Gmail. And then the final one is my Instagram. It's sincerelyxoemily, but there's periods. So it's sincerely period. XO period Emily because the other one was taken. Um, but awesome. <laughs> yeah, please like feel free to reach out to me. And I always say as well, like even if you're questioning it, because I get this a lot from women where they say, well, I just like eat clean, but like I'm pretty okay with food. If you're even questioning it, I really, really encourage you to still reach out to not even me, to someone because having fully a life of food freedom is so, so different than being like, oh, I'm on a diet and like it's fine. So I just, yeah, I really want to yeah. encourage you that you don't have to struggle with food in any way and you do deserve to recover from however you do struggle with food. Well, Emily, thank you so much. You know, I, so I really much. enjoyed this, this, this conversation. And uh, first of all, I want to say congratulations also once again to developing the self-confidence and the mindset and, and really enforcing the willpower to overcome this eating disorder and also get you on track to where you feel more fulfilled and happy in everything that you're doing in life. Yeah, thank you so much. I so appreciate it.